Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. So to Vertical Momentum, I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, welcome back to the number one Retropreneur Resiliency Podcast in the world. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to rebrand yourself? to change yourself into, into the person that you've always wanted to be. Well, my brother, Josh, we're going to be talking about that today. And you're definitely going to get some notes that you can go home. You can do and actually start working on it right after you hang up from us. So guys, make sure you listen, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment for Josh because he's going to be bringing the fire. Josh, my brother, what's up? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing today? Oh, man, life is so good. I, I got up. I got to do my cardio. I got to do my reading. I'm drinking my pre-workout as we speak. So life is great. And I get to hang out with you. So hey, that's always life, a good thing. How can life get any better? But first, I want to thank our sponsors, guys. Um, as you know, um, every sponsor on this show is a, 100, is a veteran-owned company. It's 100% veterans 100% of the time. Uh, when I was in the military, I got hooked on energy drinks. And now that I'm an old man, I'm only allowed to have one a day. So I choose um, Physic Zero by Mr. Jason Lane Curtis. Um, you can find him in the Vetrepreneur Tribe. He has a product called Physic Zero. All the energy, no crash, no sugar. Check him out. So, Josh, what's going on today, brother? You know, lots of different things. Uh, I've got a lot of spinning plates. So I took a couple of days off for my birthday. My birthday was yesterday. Um, and it's just nice to have a little bit of time to work on other projects instead of doing the day job while also working on other projects. Well, happy birthday. And uh, did you do anything fun? Uh, you know what? I, I spent most of the day just uh, sitting around doing nothing because I don't do that very frequently. I played some video games and I just said, you know what? I'm not doing any work today. And uh, I did about two hours of work. But other than that, you know, did pretty well just chilling out. Awesome. We just got back from a mini vacation. Well, we took four days off. It was a family day vacation to go visit my son at Coastal Carolina University. So we got to go look at the beach and hang out at the beach and maybe possibly looking at some houses and boats. Hmm. Maybe. Nice. Um, Good luck. So, hey, you know, you have to, up. you know, like we're going to be talking about today, you always have to be up leveling. If you're not, you know, like a shark, if it stops moving, it dies. So we got to start, you know, keep on up level, up leveling our life our mind and our business. So first of all, where are you from um, and where'd you grow up and what kind of little boy was Josh? Yeah. So I grew up originally in New Hampshire. I'm from a, a family that has been in New England since the 1630s. And so we're, you know, Mayflower descendant type folks. Um, we've been in the, in New England for that whole time pretty much. But uh, I grew up in rural New Hampshire and now I live in the DC area. Um, so it's been a bit of a transition, you know, joining the military, going around the world certainly helped change that. But uh, I grew up in, in that really like small town mentality. My whole family were in the fire department or uh, in the EMT service or something like that throughout my entire life. Uh, and, you know, the military for me was a, an opportunity to go other places and see other things, even to, even as good as that environment was there wasn't a whole lot i wanted to do in my life there now were you a when you were in high school were you a good student were you an athlete 
I was definitely not an athlete. I, I'm a nerd. I always have been a nerd um, and, and proud of being that. Uh, as much as I like sports and I played soccer for several years, I was never really good at it. I was also in track and field, actually, thinking about it for a couple of years as well, but not good at that. Um, so for me, you know, I always was a, a book person and, and a reader and trying to figure out how to go on an adventure. Um, and you don't really, uh, you don't really have a whole lot of adventures in that type of rural environment. Now you were also in theater at Plymouth regional high school. That's um, right. now, was that something that, um, because I know if we've talked before that, you know, we, we both believe that facts will tell, but stories will sell. So does that, when you started getting into theater, is that when you started loving stories? No, I, I think I love stories since I was a little kid and I found books and, and stories and books were the big thing for me. The thing I got myself lost in, I worked in a library when I was 11 and I just devoured every book that I could get my hands on around me. And then I think getting into theater was just another outlet for that. Another way of finding a way to express who I was and also get an opportunity to be someone different than who I was. And that sort of, uh, of, of role-playing, which role-playing and games like that are a big thing for me, but that sort of transition into being able to see myself as someone different, that was a huge sort of uh, a transitional tool for me that uh, led me to do some pretty impressive things. Now, um, when you graduated high school, did you have good grades? Did you get any scholarships for college? I didn't. Um, so my senior year, I actually ended up uh, moving out of my grandmother's house when I was 17. And so my senior year of high school, I missed 80 days out of 180 days. And I barely graduated. Uh, the opportunity came around for uh, the last two classes that I needed to do to do as an independent study project. So I did two independent study projects and ended up graduating, which was by the skin of my teeth. I pulled that off. Um, and before that, I was an okay student. I was like a B student, but that last year was definitely a rough one. So now you said you had, you know, family members that were in the fire department. Um, so, so everybody in your family seems to have a heart of service. So what was it, your choice to go in the military? What was that mindset like? What, what, what was your thought process in joining the military? And also, um, I love talking to people about their recruiting story. So talk to us about your recruiting story. Sure. So I've got to backtrack a little bit and tell you a couple of things to make some of that story make sense. I ended up not going into the military right after high school. I didn't go until I was about 24. So between high school and then I ended up working for both Radio Shack and Subway back and forth as uh, an assistant manager and then a manager of the Subway. And I was just kind of like stuck in that sort of mire or, or mud of moving back and forth between those two companies. And eventually I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to completely change everything. And my brother at the time was living out in San Diego. And I decided, hey, I'm just going to move out there. And I packed up all my things in my car and I drove out to San Diego and I pulled up outside uh, his house. And I was like, hey, I'm here. What's up? And he's like, you can't be here. You can't be living here. I, I am on a couch. I live on a couch right now. And so I showed up 
in San Diego with just my car and nothing else and ended up living in my car for about six months. There, I decided, hey, I need a job. Got a job at Subway because I knew what I was doing there. And then wrote myself a 10-year plan. Eventually decided, hey, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? What are my what opportunities do I want to see myself reach? I wrote a 10-year plan. Part of that 10-year plan was to join the military. So I moved back to New Hampshire and spent about a year calling the Air Force recruiter saying, hey, I really, really want to join the Air Force. I'm smart. I, I could get a good ASVAB score. Heard nothing back from the Air Force recruiter for an entire year. And finally, I said, okay, Air Force, you don't want me. I'm going to call the Army and see what the Army will offer me. Of course, Army calls me right back and says, hey, you want to come be in the Army? We're you know, willing to take you to do the ASVAB. We're going to do everything. They got me doing to do the ASVAB. I got my ASVAB scores back. The Air Force calls me the next day and says, hey, are you interested in coming into the Air Force? And I almost was, but I was so, for you know, probably good or bad reasons, so offended that they hadn't called me back after an entire year of me harassing them. Then I said, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the Army uh, and went into the Army. So it was, for me, joining the Army was a way of, again, changing who I was and getting somewhere better and being like, here I am living in my car. I can do better than this. I can make you know a life that I'm going to be proud of and get where I want to be in 10 years. So what job did you take in the Army? So I was a quartermaster and chemical equipment repairer, which I believe is still a 91 Juliet. And the name of it sounds cool, but it's effectively the guy in the motor pool that has absolutely nothing to do because all that sort of equipment is worked on by contractors and civilians these days. So I ended up working on trucks and things like that while I was in the army and just being a kind of a general mechanic. Now, did you take to the military? No, you know, honestly, I was never a military type of person. And the thing is, I kept asking the question, why? And as we all know, why is kind of like the the question you don't ask when you're in the military. But uh, I did well enough that I... I got out in about five and a half years. I served honorably, served my entire contract out and got the things that I wanted to out of it and have lots of good experiences and lots of good, um, you know, things to look back on from that time. Now, were you deployed at all? I was. I spent some time in Iraq. Um, I was there from 08 to 09. So technically we're there for uh, two parts of um, OIF, yeah, OIF. Okay, so now when you decided, because we're, I want to definitely talk about uh, military transitioning. Um, when you did, what was your, first of all, what was your thought process when it was time to get out? Because you wanted to get in so bad, and then, you know, now your time is up and you want to get out. What was that thought process like? And because you were, you know, deployed, did you come back okay? Did you notice anything was off or were you all right? Yeah, a couple of good questions there. So, when I got in, I got in to get out, as it were. You know, my whole goal was the military for three to five years was going to be an opportunity springboard for me to go to college and for me to get a job and for me to get the, the things that I wanted in life. So I kind of got in knowing that I was, wasn't going to be a lifelong person in the military. Um, I didn't have any problem with that if it turned into the opportunity I wanted, but it didn't really fit my plan. So when I was preparing to get out, 
for me, it was the end of that plan. Um, I had found my wife. My wife and I met in Korea. Um, she is an English. She is from England and an, was an English teacher in Korea when I was there. Um, and she and I hooked up, and that was kind of the only like shift in the plan because I wasn't anticipating that sort of thing happening. Um, but I was still right on track for, hey, I'm going to get out. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get this job that I want uh, once I'm done with school. And all of that sort of like lined up. Um, and having that plan was really, really helpful for me for moving into that transition space. That said, deployment was definitely rough, um, but I was a fobbit. I, um, I spent the entire year pretty much within a square mile and not really going anywhere. Uh, good and bad of that. Um, I ended up writing a book about my deployment called Deployed and Back Again, A Fobbit's Tale. Um, and it just kind of captured all of the different really ridiculous things that happened in my deployment. Um, but I'm the type of person that's always moved around and never really wanted to stay in one place for very long. So being stuck in that small place for so, like for a whole year was definitely uh, i wouldn't say traumatic but was definitely a stressful situation okay now um a lot of people when they get out like i said i've i've been have over 360 interviews now with and a lot of military personnel like myself um i struggled get when i got out because you know not only did i lose my career because of an injury but um you know we're all hoo hoo we're all hardcore but, you know, we do get, get used to getting paid on the 1st and the 15th. You know, we get used to getting TRICARE. So a lot of pe guys and girls, when they get out, they no longer have their career. They no longer have any money. And they lose a lot of, you know, the connections. Because like Sergeant Nick in our group talks about, um, once you step off base, the military does not give a shit about you. And your phone stops ringing because out of sight, out of mind. So what was your transitioning process like yeah uh, that's that is a, a common story that i hear a lot my transition was interesting again because i kind of had a plan for me it felt like hey this is just the next step of the plan and i immediately went to college like i got out on december 3rd of um, of 2000 now i can't remember the year 2011 and I immediately was going to school in January. So I shifted from, you know, military, having a little bit of uh, leave time to now I'm going to school and I have to put my head down into the books and do this uh, as the thing. And I put myself 110% into that. Um, there was also a military veteran group on campus and I immediately got involved with them and then ended up getting a job in the admissions department working as the liaison, the student veterans liaison. So I was helping other veterans go to school or figure out, hey, do I wanna to go to this school or how am I going to get any of my credits for going to school and all these sorts of things? How do I get the GI Bill? And that for me was the way I managed my transition was by helping other people, was by turning around and going, hey, I understand what you're going through right now. I understand the stress that you're under and let me help you do the things that I'm doing to help manage these things. And I think that for me, like made the transition so much smoother because I had a mission, even though it was a self-directed mission, I had a mission to help other people. And it's where I really fell in love with helping other veterans 
because I was like, I really enjoy being giving being given this opportunity to help other people do the hard thing and figure out how all of this stuff works. Cause I was really good at breaking it all down and kind of giving it to people piecemeal so they could understand it, you know, breaking it down Barney style to make it the, you know, use the army act, army store or army phrase for it. Um, but I love that. And I, uh, it was a big thing for me for quite a few years was that sort of um, support of, of veterans. So I think that helped my transition by making it about other people. So, you know, I've had a couple of gentlemen, you know, that um, help with resumes, help veterans with resumes. And, you know, some of the things they talked about is, you know, like when when we get out of the military and we write a resume, if we do it ourselves, um, there's so many acronyms. And when it goes across somebody's desk at a job, they see so many acronyms, their eyes just glass over. And then they just say, well, I, I don't know what this is. So I'm just going to put this one on the, on the side on the next pile and they never, you know, hire that person because, you know, not, there's not a lot of jobs out there for tank commanders, you know right. what I mean? Right. But if, but if it's, if it's written right and written well, they, the skills can transfer over. So please talk about, you know, what are some things that transitioning veterans should, they should do a year before they get out. And then what are some things they should do as soon as they get out? Sure. I think a year out, the best thing you can do for yourself is create a, a plan for the day that you are a civilian, where you say, hey, this is what my day is going to look like as a civilian that first day. And that sounds really reductive, but I think it's helpful because it starts putting you in the mindset of I'm going to get up at seven o'clock or whatever time you get up and I'm going to do X, Y and Z. If it's go to a job, if it's stay at home, if it's go to school, you're able to start creating a, a back plan from there and be like, okay, if this is where I'm going to be on day one after my transition, these are the things that I have to plan for. So again, if you're seeing yourself in a job, then, Hey, start working on your resume and start uh, getting other people to review it and give you feedback. And even if you need to get a resume writer to write you a resume that can take all of your ideas and all of your experiences and put them into a way that will help sell you. There's nothing wrong with getting someone to help you do that lifting of, of actually putting things down on paper and putting it in the right order and getting in the right, um, you know, the right design that's going to help actually get you to have doors open for you. The other thing, though, is if you're going to go to school or you're going to do something like that, then you can start planning and be like, hey, I need to get the GI Bill. I need to do all the paperwork for that. I have to figure out what school I'm going to. You have to do some research on that. I ended up picking the school that I went to from GI Jobs Magazine. I, I flipped through it and they said, hey, this is a top 10 school in New York. I wanted to go and live in upstate New York. And I did. Um, I had never been to the school. I drove by it once. And that was the extent of my knowledge of the school. Uh, but I found out information online. I found out you know, things in GI Jobs Magazine. And I said, this is a school that will get me the things that I want. And it helped me to picture ahead, this is where I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to get there. Um, I think when you get closer, if you, it, when you get closer to getting out of the military itself, you're going to want to have a lot of things planned. You, you want to have, you know, a, a little bit of money set aside so you can pay for rent or you can pay for a U-Haul 
or you can pay for different things that you might need immediately. And then if you can have a little bit of money saved aside just in case you don't get a job right away or you don't get into school right away and start using the GI Bill, you want to make sure that you've got something to fall back on if you absolutely need it. And there's probably a million other things, but those are the key like ideas that come to mind when it's like, hey, this is the planning that you should be doing. Now, for me, um, because I, I planned it on, I planned on doing 30 years in the military. Um, after I got thrown out the first time for being an addict and they let me back in, um, I changed my whole life in perspective. And then I got hurt in my 23rd year. And, you know, in the military, if you can't see, you can't shoot. So they pretty much, um, you know, they medically retired me. And I didn't know who Richard was. And on Memorial Day 2012 was the day that I attempted suicide. Thank God I didn't go through with it. But, you know, what we're about to talk about, you know, how important it is to, you you know, when you get out of the military or whatever, you know, if you retire from the police department, you know, you're no longer like I was no longer Sergeant Kaufman. I had to figure out who Richard was. I had to, you know, reimagine my life and, and rebrand my life. So please talk about that. Cause like a lot of times you get somebody that's been in 20, 30 years, you know, they're Lieutenant Colonel, Sergeant major. And when they get out, you know, it doesn't matter who, what rank you were. Now you're start back at, you know, square one having to reimagine your life. So please talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That, um, that sort of experience of, of struggling to figure out who you are, I think is something that is true for every veteran that I've ever interacted with. Even, even for me, one of my big things while I was in was, you know, I'm, I'm the soldier that just gets it done. You know, whatever mission has been given to me, that's the thing that I focus on. I get it done and then I move on. Um, when I was transitioning out and going to school, I asked myself, like, who do I want to be? And again, for me, like that forward type of planning at the time, I wanted to work for the UN. So I said, if I want to work for the UN, what guy do I need to be to work for the UN? I don't work for the UN. There's lots of reasons for that. But at the time, that was the goal. And I said, well, I've got to be a good student if I want to be the guy that works at the UN. And if I want to be a good student, I've got to study, I've got to read, I've got to do all these different things. And I created a, a list of steps for myself where I would be like, this is what I have to do day to day. This is my to-do list. These are my action items. These are the things that I've got to submit today or I've got to get done today so that I can be ahead of all of my assignments. So I was looking at actions constantly as my way of defining who I am as a person. And that's good for getting missions done. That's good for getting your degree. That's good for a lot of things like that. But it's really not good at actually answering the question of who are you as a person? And that's the thing that I struggled with in those years was I'm a, I'm a good student. I'm all of these things. But I didn't really have a strong idea of like who, who I am. And when I started for myself, at least understanding that the person I am is a person that believes in service, a person that believes in giving back, a person that believes in planning to uh, planning and pushing. That's 
that's helped me change my mentality on it's okay to not have a plan today because as long as I've got a plan in, in the, the bigger scale, I'm fine. I'm still doing those things that I believe are important or helpful for me. But now I have this core of what drives me. I can fall back on that. I can ask myself, hey, today, who am I serving? Who am I helping? Who am I supporting? What goals do I have that are going to help me meet, uh, that I can help meet today? And that sort of, of reflection is really important. And you've got to be open to reflecting on those things with other people. I tell every veteran getting out that I know it is okay to see a therapist. Even if you don't have anything that you're like, Hey, this is, this is a traumatic incident or whatever. It's okay to see a therapist and talk to them and just to get their feedback on, Hey, here's everything going on in my head. It's, it's okay to have that because then it helps you reflect, consider, and really cement your understanding of who you are. And, you know, and I truly appreciate that. And I love the last sentiment because um, I've been in therapy the last 12 years with the same therapist. Thank God. Uh, but, you know, my wife laughs because her, her, my doctor's name is Dr. Seuss. <laughs> S-O-O-S. But, um, you know, she's been my therapist and I always tell everybody, listen, you know, everybody needs help. There's nothing wrong with getting therapists. And, you know, even, you know, I'm a big sports guy. I'm a big sports freak. Um, you know, even coaches have coaches, you know, and even the great, the great, um, any athlete that's great, they want to be coached up. They want to, they want to be helped. So I love, you know, I love what you're talking about, but now like when I talk to a lot of veterans, um, you know, they want to get out, they want to start a business, um, because when we're in the military, you know, if, if we don't learn anything, we learn how to you know, write an SOP, write a nine line, follow an SOP. Uh, but a lot of times when we get out of the military, you know, I hear all the time, I'm going to get out of the military. I'm going to start a hat company, a t-shirt company, liquor company, a coffee company. And six months later, they're $10,000 in debt and don't know what the hell just happened because they did not have an SOP or a business plan. Yep. You know, like my friend, you know, Stephen Kuhn says, if you do not have a business plan, you do not have a business, you have a hobby. Um, so please talk to us about um, some of the good things. If a person is going to start a business that being in the military actually helps them with, with, and also why it's a good idea to make sure before you even spend a penny, make sure that you have a good business plan. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I think being in the military, particularly my experience in the army was the ability to do um, a SWOT analysis or what we would call an AAR, an after action review on your you know, business pre, post, during, at every stage of, of the game, you've got the ability to analyze your strengths, weaknesses, the things that are going right, the things that are going wrong, you know, your three ups, your three downs. That sort of reflective thing is something we're taught regularly in the military that, hey, look at the mission, look at what, what went right, what went wrong, and use that to plan the next mission. And you know, hey, you know, Sergeant Snuffy is really good when he's in these sorts of situations. Let's put him, you know, in this certain place in our, our mission structure. 
you know, specialist Heath, he's really, really good at X, Y, and Z. Let's put him in this sort of position. Once you understand the strengths, strengths and weaknesses that you have, that you're bringing to whatever business that you want uh, to set up, you are going to be able to establish a better business plan by understanding the things that you're good at, the things that you're weak at, and if you're weak at things, who you can get for support. Because being in the military, you're never alone. You've always got your squad. You've always got your platoon. You've always got other people that you can rely on. It's the same thing in a business. You should never be setting up a business that you're doing in a vacuum where it's only you. You should always be thinking about who are my investors? Who are my support people? Who do I have around me that can help me with X, Y, and Z? Yes, you might need to pay those people, but if you are paying them a good wage and they're giving you good help, then it's worth it. And I think that sort of holistic planning and review process is a really solid strength. And I think why so many veterans end up as business owners is because they can look at their business and say, honestly, what are we good at? What are we bad at? How do we get better? And then they take action on getting there. Is everybody perfect at that? No, because not everybody's perfect at that while they're in the military either. But I think enough of us at least have the familiarity for it to get us into a good place that will help you, you know, long-term be successful. And one of the things that I struggled with until just for the last couple of months was, you know, I thought I can do it all. And, um, you know, I'm great at interviewing people. I'm great at building relationships, but I suck at graphics. I suck at, you know, um, marketing. So, you know, somebody once told me, well, then you don't know what you don't know. So hire the ones that do know. And yep. I think sometimes a lot of veterans are like, no, nah, man, I got this. And then eventually you don't got this. You know what I mean? And sometimes you, it's, it may take another brother to say, listen, hey, bro, you suck at marketing. But I know, you know, my friend William, he's amazing at it. Why don't you guys hook up and get together? And, you know, that, and that's how things can start happening. So now talk to us about what you're doing now and what your passion is now. Yeah, so I'm doing quite a lot of different things. Um, I work as a day job. I work uh, for uh, a federal agency as a GS-13 doing um, communications and marketing. Um, so I do all kinds of social media posts for the agency that I work for. Um, I have to be a little uh, careful because uh, I, I haven't gotten authorization to talk about that. But, yep. um, you know, I, I work for them and I, I put out a lot of uh, communication materials. Um, but that's the day job, which I love. And it's about helping people. I work uh, for a department that um, that is focused on people and focused on, you know, helping others. And so, again, for me, that's hitting that uh, that personality need of, of how am I helping other people. But I also run a, a couple of uh, a different podcasts and everything underneath my high-level games business banner, um, which kind of where my, my passion is, is uh, high-level games is a tabletop role-playing game company where we do uh, media related to tabletop games. We talk about them on various podcasts. And we put out game products. So I spend a lot of time writing. I spend a lot of time marketing those things. I spend a lot of time building relationships with writers and artists to help produce these books. And then I think that's the most important part of it for me is like finding writers who are good writers, but haven't had anyone believe in them before 
and giving them that opportunity and saying, saying, I see you. I see how good of a writer you could be with just a little bit of editing and just a little bit of support. And then I invest in those folks until they can produce their best writing that they're capable of. We take that, we put it out in the world, we sell it, and then they turn around and they get other jobs with other companies and they start working for bigger companies than ours. I have a few friends that I was their first person that ever paid them to put words on a page. And now several of them work for, you know, it's a very small industry, but several of them have worked for or work for the biggest name companies in the tabletop gaming industry. And they can look at me and say, you gave me my first job. And that again, for me, loops back into that. How am I helping other people? How am I supporting people sort of thing that I really think is important. So that's where I'm spending a lot of my time um, is in, you know, the creation of those games and doing various podcasts and talking about things that I love, which if you can't talk about the things that you love, you know, I, I think you're not doing the right thing for you. You, you know, they, they say find the job that you'll never feel like a job, but it's okay to have a job that you feel like a job and then find things in your life that you're like, I love this with a passion. And if those things dovetail and you're, earn you money, then you're doing all right. I love, you know, I love it. I'm a big gamer. Um, I, I love tabletop games. And I actually have the privilege of interviewing um, the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, coming up next month. And they had a great tabletop game to learn about finances and money. And it's amazing, you know, a lot of people don't play games, but it's amazing. You know, like my kids will be like, no, I don't want to play any games. But when we shut the computers off and put the phones away and we can get really involved in a family game and it's just fun being able to spend time with your kids, you know, playing, playing various games, you know? So do you think that that's something that America should get more back to is playing tabletop games? I really think so. I think there's so much value, one, in being um, being with your family and doing that sort of thing. And then I think there's a lot of mental health benefits from it as well. The types of games, I, I'm working on some, some board games as well, but the types of games I, I focus on are role-playing games. So things like Dungeons and Dragons and things like that, which I played a lot of while I was in the Army too. There's a lot of people in the military that play role-playing games and enjoy them. But one of the other advantages is that they have uh, there's a lot of or a growing body of literature showing that they benefit people from a mental health perspective and that ability to, you know, live in a, in a fantasy world for a little bit that, you know, is a fantasy world, but then to experience um, success and collaboration and tell a story with one another man, that is huge. And that is super, super valuable. And I think when we find opportunities to just do that sort of thing, have fun and get things that are helping us, then I think we're going to help have more, you know, healthy transitions, which we were talking about before. I think having a healthy transition games and things like that can really help with it. See, like I'm a big gamer. Um, well, not as big as I used to be, but you know, like I I find that you know because I I play golf. I'm, a, I'm not not in real life, but on the on the Xbox, I mm -hmm. play golf and I play basketball. But I know that you know, like if you're on a golf golf course, you have to be really focused, and you know you got to worry about your swing and the, the wind and all that stuff. 
and it can really if you could take those aspects of, of a game and putting them into real life, it can really help you, um, you know, change your perspective and change your life. If you're, you know, if you're realizing, okay, I have to focus on one thing. And, you know, for me, it's podcasting. That's my, you know, that's my niche. So talk to us about branding. Cause I, I love the issue of branding and talking about, you know, uh, finding your niche. Now, as far as branding goes, like I, I say on every show, when I talk about branding, you know, you are your brand. And now, you know, like I said, I'm a big sports geek. Um, if Michael Jordan ever came to a press conference wearing an Adidas jumpsuit and Adidas sneakers, people would lose their minds because he pretty much is the face of Air Jordan, Nike. So, you know, talk to us about, you know, being consistent in your brand and building a brand. Yeah. That is a, it's a good question and it's a, a good point too about you've got to reinforce your brand. I think that's one of the things that I see and I have fallen into this trap myself of is a lot of folks split their brand into different things that they're doing in different places. You know, oh, I'm going to start a business that's, um, that's a hot dog stand, for example, and I'm going to do um, writing on the side and I'm going to do this and that and everything. And you quickly see that you're trying to figure out how does all of this connect to one another. And the smartest thing to do is start with a, a core of an idea and say, this is who I am. And then these are the outlets for the different bits and pieces of me. And that can be hard. It can be hard to get back to. But if you can, if you do start multiple lanes of different things that you do, if you're falling back on that center is branding talk to us about it. Yeah. I think branding is really essential. If you're um, if you're not kind of getting your, your central brand together um, it is very easy to go all over the place and just um, and create too many different identities as it were. Um, one of the things that I have seen, particularly in the, uh, in the gaming space is someone will come in and be like, I'm a writer here, I'm an editor here, so forth and so on. That's all fine, but then they often will, will use different names or sometimes even company identities to do those different jobs. And it's like, no, if you want to be really successful, you've got to try to unify your brand as much as possible. Wherever I go on the internet these days, I am Josh Heath and I am 100% comfortable with it. Sometimes I'm Joshua, but still Josh, Joshua Heath, regardless, I am that person everywhere I go. I'm that person on Discord. When I go onto a Discord to talk about games with people, I'm Josh Heath when I'm on my podcast, when I'm talking about different games. I'm Josh Heath when I'm writing, when I'm editing. I have a company, high-level games, that the company is really important and its brand is important, but those things are slightly separate from my individual brand as well. And you have to make sure that your individual brand is supporting your, um, your other brands. If you are creating other brands for different activities that you're doing. So high level games is my publishing company. I do all the publication through that. I've got werewolf, the podcast. That's one of my podcasts that specifically is talking about one slice of things, but everything is, centered around me and who I am as a geek and a person and a personality. And all of that is really important to 
it to ensure that whatever the other brands are doing, that they're supporting my individual brand. And that when I'm saying, hey, this is my name on the thing, that I'm doing this things that I say I'm going to do. I've done nine successful crowdfundings now. And every single one of those has come uh, with my name attached to it. And I've made sure that it's all been successful, that it's all been fulfilled because my reputation is on the line. And that's key for your brand, making sure that you are um, keeping yourself reputable, that you are doing the things that you say you're going to do, that you're fulfilling whatever it is that needs to be fulfilled. And the same thing with everything else in the individual brands. Like once you've discovered a cadence, if you're a blogger, for example, once you've discovered, hey, I need to do a blog once a month, all the people that are reading this are going to want it once a month, then you've got to do it once a month. You've got to keep that up. And if you're going to change it, if you're going to change any of those things that you're doing, that's okay. But you've got to recognize that that's going to impact your reputation in one form or another if you're adjusting fire and kind of changing the way that you're doing any of the things that you're doing that have built up on your reputation. So a couple of different ideas there. Yeah, well, like, you know, like, my, you know, my friend Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, um, you know, social media. Yeah. You, you're going to get found out eventually if you're not real or not. Right. You know, a lot of people in 2019 try, you know, taking pictures of Lambos, taking pictures of mansions and 2021 after COVID, you know, they're sitting in mom's basement and they got found out, wait a minute, you didn't actually own that car. Did you, you know what I mean? So I think, and unfortunately, you know, the word vulnerability is thrown out, thrown around a lot. Um, but I think you have to be real. Like you said, the same person that's behind the camera is the same person that's good. Like for me, I'm the same goofy guy that you're, if we go out for lunch, we're going to have fun. We're going to joke around and you're going to get a hug when you leave. Cause that's the way that I am. And I'm, I try to do that on my all, all aspects of my life instead of just, you know, seeing, you know, because a lot of people when they're on social media, they're just throwing, just showing you their, their best life, so to say, you know, with filters and everything. And I think the people that are the most successful are people that can be vulnerable and be like, you know, sometimes you'll see Gary or you'll see Ed Milet, you know, saying, you know, hey, guys, I'm having a rough day. You know, um, it's not all glitz and glamour. We, we all put our pants on the same way. You know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. And, and so talk about, you know, there's a difference be between being, you know, being a celebrity but then also being uh, relatable. Yeah. Talk to us about, you know, being relatable. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true that you have to be willing to be vulnerable and open. Um, I have bipolar and I do not hide that on social media because I believe that social, that, um, that mental health stigma is harmful. And so when I'm having a bad day and I'm being, and I'm depressed, or even if I'm having a manic episode, I'm, I'm posting that on Facebook as well. And I'm saying, Hey folks, just so you know, this is the outcome of, of X, Y, and Z that I am dealing with. I'm doing all of that as openly as I am talking about, Hey, I've got a new product that's out. I think people will like it. Um, do I do it in different spaces sometimes? Yes, because there's nothing wrong with curating who sees what specific things, but I'm always who I am, regardless of where I'm at. If someone sees me at a convention or something like that, and they're like, 
hey, you know, talk to me about this thing that you talked about in your podcast. I'm going to talk about it just as if I were on the podcast as I am standing there in front of them, because it doesn't help anyone if I'm, you know, for lack of a better word, lying to them about who I am or the things that I've experienced or my interest in things. If they're talking about something that I'm interested in, I'm going to be as excited about it on a podcast as I am right there in person with someone. And I think that's really valuable to just be yourself, which is hard sometimes. I get that. But the more you can be yourself, the better off you're going to be, the better off your brand is going to be too. Okay. So last two questions I have. Um, how do we find you? Um, how can we um, listen to your podcast or um, how, how can we support your mission? Yeah. Um, the easiest way to find uh, things that I'm doing are by going to um, highlevelgames.ca. My partner's Canadian, so I'm sorry about that, but it is a Canadian website. Um, we, You can also find me on Twitter um, at Podcast Werewolf for the Werewolf the Podcast uh, stuff or at HLG underscore corporate for the high-level game stuff. Or uh, if you're interested in actually following me and just occasionally seeing the things that I post, you can find me on Twitter at, at as Josh Heath. I'm right there. Um, I'm out there in the open as who I am. So people can find me relatively easy. Um, I generally don't friend people on Facebook, but otherwise, you know, I'm available on Twitter uh, and happy to connect with folks. I, I love it, brother. So last question I have, um, you know, I live in New Jersey and uh, we're still in, in a high COVID world. And, um, you know, there's a lot of parents that lost their jobs. So they're driving Uber and DoorDash just to put food in the kids' mouths. We got grandparents homeschooling kids. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it because they're so busy. But if I ask somebody that's listening to this right now to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody out there right now wants to reinvent themselves, they want to reimagine their life, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some clarity? Sit down and sketch out where you want to be in one year, five years, and 10 years. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just sit down and write, this is where I want to be. You will be shocked at how quickly you see threads that you're like, oh, this is something that means something to me that you can build on, that you can change yourself with. Building a plan helps. Even if you don't stick to it, just having that plan really becomes a valuable tool that you can always fall back on and pull out and say, where am I on the plan? Where does the map lead me? This is where I want to be. I love it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I appreciate you. This is going to go out next season. And when it does go out, it's going to go out to 12 different platforms. So you're going to be getting pinged from everywhere. And I just want to say thank you. And I'm so grateful for your friendship. No, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, brother, God bless you and God bless the family. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.